0: The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International.
1: And so we kind of felt a little bit about the church like we did our family. And they've met the Lord Jesus under the ministry and we want to help love and encourage and raise them up. And so uh, being unable to do that and unable to continue forward and leaving, it was very difficult to be honest. I got up every Sunday for probably six months and sat in the shower and cried so my kids wouldn't see me.
0: Next on Life Today, former pastor of Mars Hill Church, Mark Driscoll, describes how the controversies affected his family.
2: today? How are you doing, Sheila?
3: I'm doing very well. I'm <laughs> Sheila Walsh here with Randy Robertson, right. and we're excited about the show today. We
2: have a n- wonderful guest, a, a gentleman I've enjoyed for years, listening to, teaching, his books, he's got a lot of great stuff out there. Mark Driscoll is with us. Mark, welcome yeah. to Life Today. Would Thanks. you. say Thank little- you. you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, man, You've been, you've been you know a little hidden here for a while. Where are you? Yeah, been, I've been in the witness t-
1: protection program <laughs> and uh, just <laughs> hanging out with the family. Uh, yeah, so I don't know where where do you want to start? You want to just- you
2: start wherever you want to because I mean you know people some people don't know you some people yeah. know where you were where but don't necessarily know where yeah, you've been.
1: Yeah, so I, I grew up in Seattle. My dad was a union drywaller, oldest of five kids. Didn't know Jesus. Um, in high school, at 17, met a really sweet, adorable gal, pastor's daughter, uh-huh. gave me a Bible. Oh, good. Uh, 19, got saved reading that Bible. Mm. 21, married that girl. My rule is always a gal buys you a Bible, buy her a ring, call it a deal, so I married her at 21. <laughs> it's what one does, <laughs> That's people, what one it's does. what one does. At 22, we graduated. 25, we started a Bible study, trying to reach primarily young, college-educated singles in what was, at the time, uh, among the nation's least church cities. In the early years, we were broke and we didn't have kids and, you know, I was working a job and didn't think it would amount to anything. Uh, eventually, in God's grace, God did some remarkable things through some wonderful people. We saw about 10,000 people baptized. Wow. We saw the church grow to 15,000 on a typical Sunday. We saw 15 locations in five states, uh, just kind of superseded all Expectations. And this is
2: Pacific Northwest. This, this is not Bible Belt.
1: No, this is this is urban, single, um, young adult. Uh, you know, all kinds of sexual issues, confusion, yeah, abuse. Right. I mean, baggage and carry-ons. I mean, so lots <laughs> of stuff going on. You know. Yeah. And uh, we had we had a governance war at the church that went eight years behind the scenes over who's in charge and how things play out, and so. At the end, we had 67 elders in 15 locations in five states, a large percentage of whom I had never met. And they wanted to have independent local churches and we were one large church in many locations. So there was an eight year battle Mm. that finally went public the last year and was very painful for everyone involved, especially the wonderful, dear, generous, amazing people that served and gave and made it all happen. Mm -hmm. And so um, the governing board in authority over me invited us to continue and we prayed about it and talked about it as a family and felt like we heard from the Lord and I resigned and uh, and left without, uh, uh, didn't have an opportunity to say goodbye to the people so I want to just let them know how much I love them and appreciate them and, and wish I would have had that opportunity. Um, and we took some time off just to heal up. I signed a non-disclosure agreement so you're not going to talk about it, which was fair and reasonable and I agree with and just decided to spend time as a family to heal up, to meet with wise counsel, to learn what we could learn and to see what the Lord had for the next season of our life. Whoa there, yeah, horsey. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Whoa, there's the whole story. There's five kids in there now. That's um, a lot of
3: information. Yeah. What I wanna talk about, Mark, is um, you start so small.
1: Yeah, right.
3: See so God do amazing things. Yep. And it grows and grows, and then suddenly, there's like this death by committee.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanna know, what did that do to you? As, as a person, not just as
1: a pastor, what did that do to you? I felt about the church as I did about my children. Once you share the gospel of Jesus with someone and they become a Christian, it's kind of like you're a parent. They're born again and now they need to be fed and loved and raised up and encouraged and And so for me, in my heart, I I adore my five kids. We've got three boys, two girls, and you know, Grace is my nearest and dearest friend, and she's still with me, and she's the best. And so we kind of felt a little bit about the church like we did our family. These are people that we love and care for, and they've met the Lord Jesus under the ministry, and we want to help love and encourage and raise them up. And so um, being unable to do that and unable to continue forward and leaving uh, it was very difficult, to be honest. I got up every Sunday for probably six months and sat in the shower and cried so my kids wouldn't see me because hmm. we couldn't go to church and it was a very complicated situation and and I, I, I was very concerned about the well-being of those people because, you know, there's a lot of churches have fights or conflicts or governance battles. It's, it's, it's nothing new. Uh, but it's the dear people that don't understand sometimes what's going on and they pay the highest price and they're unsure even what happened. Mm-hmm. What did this do to to you as
3: a family? Because I can, I mean, sometimes that kind of trauma is a greater wedge than a
1: glue. Well, we had 176 employees and now you got zero. So all the media, the critics, the protesters all show up at your house rocks are thrown at your kids, helicopters like are overhead. Like,
3: you're not just, I mean, this is actual stuff this that happened. Life. This is yeah. not just, yeah. you know,
1: imagery. You well, know, we'd moved three or four times for safety issues, safe room, people arrested at the house, um, lots, you know, so I had a bulletproof, stab-proof vest from the Seattle Police Department. Why were they so mad at you? Well, it was from one of the police officers, I don't know if he was at Seattle SPD, but um, to for high alert Sundays where there was protests or there was danger, and the kids knew on those days, coming in and out with police escort, and but so.
2: Why? Why were they so mad at you?
1: Um, you know, I'm a really <laughs> lovely guy, so I just don't know. <laughs> That's uh, clear I, to I, all of us. I'm a Bible teacher, and I can, I can be intense, and there are times I've said and done things that, that I regret and mm. publicly acknowledge, but, um, you know, I mean, I'm seeing a lot happen in a culture that didn't have a lot of churches that mm. were very large. There were some good churches, but a very uh, unchurched area, and, uh, and so... So yeah, I mean my family the kids grew up with three boys, two girls, kind of all kinds of complexity, some wonderful things, seeing lots of people say, but also safety issues and people right. at the house and arrested and, right. and so what are you media, saying to your kids media blocking the driveway and you know that right, kind of right, stuff I mean right. very complicated what are you saying to your kids in the midst of this
3: I mean, do you even have the strength to say anything I mean, what do you When your whole life has been built around the fact that God is a God of love and redemption, Mm -hmm. and now you're having to hide in your own house and protect your own
1: children, what do you say to them? Uh, Well, first, you own anything you can that you contributed to it so that um, your children see repentance and humility and honesty and integrity. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, you teach them forgiveness. And so when, when we... It was just really weird. I mean, I'd been a pastor 18 years. All my kids are born in the church. They've never been in another church. We started the church before we had kids, and wake up on Sunday and I realize I don't. I'm not a pastor. I don't have a church. I don't, like, we, we can't go to church. <laughs> right. I think the media is on the other side of the fence, wondering what we're going to do today. So we'll just <laughs> right. stay here. And, and so we uh, we sat down as a family, and I, I, mean, I was I was very emotional, and uh, my kids just decided, well, we're a church, so. My one daughter who can sing, the rest of us just can't sing. She led worship and my other son led us in prayer and one of the kids did scripture reading and, you know, we had brunch together and my eight-year-old son came down and collected an offering. As Um, eight-year-olds would, yes. (laughs) To give to a single mom that he knew wasn't going to have enough money for kids for christmas so he collected the offering so and i taught a bible i started teaching a bible study on forgiveness because i believe the heart of the demonic is unforgiveness i believe i believe god does forgiveness and satan and demons are never forgiven and never forgiving and i believe if you want to enter into demonic torment just get bitter and don't do forgiveness
3: absolutely and so
1: i sat down with my kids i said okay we you need to forgive your dad for anything he's contributed. We need to forgive anyone else who's participated in this complex situation. Because what I don't want to raise is bitter pastor's kids who are in demonic torment because they have a church hurt. Mm -hmm. We need to forgive, we need to love, we need to heal up. And so we did church together at home as a family for many, many months. And and then invited some family and friends to join us just to have safe fellowship and community. So my kids basically ran their own church. And I got to teach sometimes in my pajamas, which was really great. Well, that's such an so, excellent that's an idea. Excellent yeah. idea.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so you've since left that city. Yeah, yeah, we
1: waited for. We felt like my oldest daughter, our oldest daughter, should be able to graduate with her friends from high school, and so we, we uh, made that pledge to her. And then we prayed. And my wife and I, um, you know, we'd written a book previously on marriage and really focused on friendship was one of our big themes. And so, thank God, we didn't know that, you know. The hurricane is coming, but we had really doubled down on our friendship, mm-hmm. and our friendship was super tight and close. And uh, you know, some say that you know a good friend makes the good times twice as good and the bad times twice as bad. And when your spouse is your friend, and the pressure pushes you together rather than pulls you apart, that's a real blessing. Mm-hmm. Half as
2: bad. Yeah, the, the bad times. The bad times bad. are half
1: as bad. The good times are twice, twice as good. good. I went yeah, to yeah. public school. This will okay. happen. I once just, want to, yeah. I just <laughs> want to help you out there. I just want to help you. and so. Um, and so, yeah, in that we, my wife and I prayed, and we met with wise counsel and pastors and counselors that we trusted, and and didn't say anything publicly, and tried not to vent and leak, and and so we prayed about it, and we both came to agreement that it was it was time to transition, and so we felt called to uh, Arizona, uh, West Coast. I I like the sunshine, so it was SoCal or Arizona. My wife really liked Arizona. I really liked my wife, so Arizona seemed really good to me. (laughs) And uh, so we moved down there, not knowing what was next. I didn't have a. It was one of the places I didn't have a job offer. Um, Once we moved, a 200-foot tree fell on our house. We still had all our possessions in our home.
2: Back in Seattle. Back
1: in Seattle, and so the one you were trying to sell. We moved and put it up for sale because we couldn't have open house with us living there; would have been a bunch of drama. Right. Boom! 200-foot tree falls on the house shears the bedroom off, destroys our bed, would have killed us if we were home. Wow. This is getting
3: very Job-like.
1: Yeah, I'm just like, really? I mean, I read the Old Testament, but I didn't want to live it, so uh, yeah, it was complicated, and so my, so then we're down in Arizona, we can't sell the house, we can't buy a new house, I don't have a job, where are the kids going to go to school? We got elementary, junior high, high school, college, trying to figure it all out. Goodness. And uh, and in God's grace, you know, I could tell you a year and a half later, all the kids are walking with the Lord, they mm. came to me and said, Dad. We planted, we, we did church in our house, that was fun. Can we plant a church? So the kids wanted to plant a church. And I was like, really, you wanna plant a church? So they dreamt up the name of the church and the branding and had a lot of conversations around the dinner table. And so we decided to plant a church as a family project. That's crazy, <laughs> that's great. And so, yeah. I wanna
3: back up a little bit to what you touched on about forgiveness because I think it's huge. Mm-hmm. I, um, it was one of the lessons I went through with my son of, you know, he wanted life to be fair. My thing to him is, you know, fear doesn't live here, but Jesus does.
1: Well, fair means we're all on fire. Right, right. You know, so anything beyond that's grace. But I also believe that the
3: enemy has nothing in his arsenal to combat forgiveness.
1: No, no, no. He when can't you do choose to forgive, yeah. you're
3: totally aligning yourself with heaven. Yep. And, and I think it's the most liberating thing in, yeah. in the universe.
1: Yeah. Well, and I always say, when you forgive someone, it's not letting them get away with anything. It's letting you get away from everything. Yeah. And and you're basically saying, I forgive you, and I'm going to let this be... Passed up to a higher court, and I'll let God render the verdict. But for me, I'm going to move on with my life, Mm -hmm. and and I'm going to I'm going to want God's best for you. But that's between you and God.
2: Hmm. So your whole family gets together and you start a church. We started a church. We don't
1: know anybody. We don't have a building. (laughs) We got nothing. At
2: Trinity Church in Scottsdale. Yeah, we named
1: it after Grace's dad. He planted a church called the Trinity Church, and he passed away. Hmm. And so the kids are like, let's name it after Grandpa to honor him. I was like, okay. And so we. You know, made an announcement, we're gonna plant a church. We have no people, we have no money, we got no clue. <laughs> and, and, uh, and God provided a building in a supernatural way. We got a mid-century, modern, historic, cool church building. My kids demoed it, volunteers showed up. My kids did all the demo, th- helped throw away t- two dozen dumpsters of garbage, ripped out carpet, painted walls. I mean, we literally, we
2: literally planted, planted church, a church right? as a family. Yeah.
1: And then other families showed up for work parties and we did it all together. Wow. We put bouncy houses in the back of the auditorium because we didn't have kids ministry. And I would teach a Bible study, no sound, no lights, no video, no band, no transition. And then we'd all get our gloves on and go to work and it was 120 degrees out. So you know those are good people if they show up <laughs> yeah. for that. So yeah. that's what
3: we did. But you know what that says to me about you and your wife, that your children would say, let's plant a church. Because if if you had reacted differently, responded differently, you could have turned all your children against the yeah. Lord. Yeah. I mean, that's, but instead, the opposite. If I had
1: embittered my kids against the Lord, that would have been worse than everything I had been through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really love my kids, and they're mm-hmm. really wonderful kids. And so. I
3: have a yeah. feeling they might sit here and say the same thing about you. Well,
1: I, they're, they're really great kids. And I didn't know the Lord till I was 19. So watching kids grow up and know the Lord is such a better plan than the one I had. What yeah. Yeah. has what
2: is, what is he taught you through your own children?
1: Uh, the father heart of God. Mm -hmm. that God loves me like I love my kids and God's there for me like I'm there for my kids and God intends good for me as I intend good for my kids yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I've learned a lot about the father heart of God through all of this and so when it all came people would ask how are you doing I'd be like I you know I don't even know how to answer that all I know is we're in God's will that's enough sometimes sometimes that's all you got got. and but the truth is that's all you need and so you know um I remember one day we were literally going into the church for Bible study and work party and um, my daughter grabbed my hand. She always holds my hand. She's the affectionate one. And uh, I just thought, you know, all I need to do is just take my dad's hand and walk with him. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what we're doing, but I know I got a good dad. And if I just, you know, to close to dad, wherever we end up is going to be a good place.
3: My prayer every morning when I get up is, good morning, Lord. I don't know where you're going today, but wherever you're going, I'm coming with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's
1: beautiful. It's good to go you to work re- with your dad. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Son and dad's day. Yeah. But sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's almost uh, severe mercy to lose everything and in the midst, find what really matters and cannot be
1: shaken. Oh, here's my wife. Here's my kids. I still got a place in heaven. And. You know, and now God is being gracious. We get to teach. I, I get to go to church with my family. My my my, uh, my kids sit on the front row every Sunday and they take notes. And then after church, they give me feedback on the sermon. And now my kids are asking about going into ministry and how to preach wow. sermons. And I'm like, you know, I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe this will be a season where we get to do things together as a family that otherwise were not um, possible. And, and if so, that, that makes it really rich and rewarding. Has,
2: has anything changed in your in your message? I mean, I know the overarching message has not because you, you're preaching the gospel, but is, anything, is there any, any nuanced difference maybe?
1: I think I've, you know, when I was a young man, I focused a lot on Jesus. I still like Jesus, yay right, Jesus. Right. Um, um, but now the fatherhood of God and the Holy Spirit I'm getting to know the person, the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit in a deeper, more intimate, emotionally healing, maturing way, I, mm-hmm. I hope. Mm-hmm. And and again, the fatherhood of God. And so, I mean, I'll still be very focused on Jesus, but I think sometimes depending upon what church or tradition you go to, there's one member of the Trinity who sort of gets the billing and the rest are o- opening acts. <laughs> right, right. Um, And so I'm spending a lot more time getting to know the Father and the Spirit. And, and I think too, focusing a lot more on emotional health, relational integrity, and building a foundation on uh, relationships at the church, mm-hmm. um, you know, because uh, I think apart from emotional health and healing and relational health and healing, you don't end up with a healthy family or church family. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of emphasis going that direction.
2: Mm-hmm. Or do you hope you you are in another year or two? You know,
1: Scottsdale is not a bad place to be all oh, winter. No, not at all. And my wife and I um, are really good friends. And I don't know what the Lord has next, but I'm just really excited about who I get to do it with mm. Mm. grace the kids the friends that we have the new friends that we have the old friends that have really proven true i mean when hard times come you kind of really figure out who your friends are mm. yeah mm. and the old puritans used to talk about the, the swallow friends they leave when winter comes you know <laughs> uh, but we've really found some deep profound friendships old and new and we feel far um, less rich in resources and honestly very rich in relationships mm. Mm. Um, and so that's been really healing and really encouraging. And it's been uh, it's been actually really enjoyable.
2: That's great. I mean, in the tough times, we all need hope. And uh, it's wonderful to hear you experiencing it and living it out. There are other people that uh, we would like to impact with God's message of hope. People who are in some real tough times. Sheila, you went there.
3: Yeah, it's honestly the most desperate thing I've ever seen in my life. But what I've discovered is even in the most desperate place, when you shine the light of Christ... Everything changes. Would you watch this?
0: Hope. It's the currency of dreams, the fuel for life. And while hope is a treasured quality, like anything valuable, it's often exploited by those with selfish intentions.
3: I honestly don't think anything in life prepares you for what you see here. I mean, I've just spent the evening walking through the red light district here. Part of the process of how they dehumanize these girls is that they take away any hope. One of the girls said, "Um, I was told if I tried to escape from this brothel, what they told me was, okay, you go ahead, you escape. We know where your eight-year-old sister lives. But honestly, when I look at their faces, I think that could be my daughter. That could be your daughter. you need to see beyond what's painted on the surface to a broken heart underneath. None of these girls wants to be here. There's a big plan in place for every girl to get them out of here and to get them to a place of safety, a place where they can begin to rebuild their lives again. But don't be overwhelmed by the streets, don't be overwhelmed by the lights, don't be overwhelmed by the number of girls. See one girl, see one girl who needs help and who needs hope and who needs it right now. unbelievable and some people said to me when I came home well why don't they just leave why don't they just get out of there If you knew the way that these men manipulate these girls, they have it down to really a fine art, the way they demoralize them and break them down. They don't feed them, they don't let them sleep. And then they'll take one of the girls outside of the room and she's never seen again. And basically the message is, if you don't do what we want you to do, that's gonna happen to you. They threaten their families. They break their wills down. They they get them addicted to drugs. And there's such hopelessness there. And when I was walking there, it was so clear to me that that Christ would be on these streets. He would be the one reaching out his hand. He would be the one speaking to those girls and telling them, you're worth more. You know, one of the places I went into, the the further back I went, it changed from girls with skimpy outfits to some girls with nothing on at all, but a number stamped onto her leg. And that's how they would be ordered. I'll take number five. One of the things we know is that in God's sight, No girl, no boy, no man or woman is a number. Mm -hmm. They are made in the image of God. And even though I felt the desperation of the darkness, I saw such hope. I saw such hope. I saw what happens when the people that we work with go in there and rescue these girls and bring them to a place in Southeast Asia where they can recover their lives, discover that God did hear their prayers, that they have a future, that your history doesn't dictate your destiny in Christ, that anything is possible, but we can't do it alone. Have some friends who've said listen we're gonna partner with you we're gonna put up a gift of two hundred thousand dollars a matching gift
2: yeah they're doing that matching to motivate you you know when you're talking about the evil and what's going on in in these places and I've I've been there I've seen some of it too if you've been in the church very long you've heard this phrase the gates of hell will not prevail well you know gates are defensive gates are not offensive you won't see gates marching down the street taking people prisoners Gates are meant to defend. You know what that means? They only prevail when we don't bash them down. And this is how we bash down the gates of hell. This is how we go in and rescue those who need to be rescued. We want you to join with us as we go into these dark areas with the light of Jesus Christ because He can break down every wall. He can set every captive free. The way we're asking you to join with us today is in your prayers and if God prompts it, in your finances. Sixty-four dollars, you can partner with someone else and with the matching gift. And that's the average cost of the operations to go get people out. So for $128 we say you can help rescue two girls, two maybe boys actually isn't yeah. it. But the point is you join with us as we are going into these dark areas. You join with us as we Share the life of God, the love of God, the truth of God, the saving power and grace of God. But as we go into these dark areas, these, these beyond, behind the gates of hell, we reach in and we pull these people out. Give them love and give them life. Will you go to the phone and join us? Will you go online and help?
0: Do what you can and do it right now. Innocent children and young people longing to be loved and cared for are being abducted and sold at the hands of violent predators, their spirit and bodies broken under horrific emotional and physical abuse. Through Mission Rescue Life, you can reach out to save children vulnerable to sex traffickers. You can help rescue those already enslaved and you can help restore their lives and give them a future. And now a generous opportunity of a $200,000 matching gift means your gift of $128 to help rescue a child will be matched to help two children. Your $64 gift will be matched to help rescue one child from the horrors of human trafficking. And a $32 rescue gift will be doubled to $64. With your gift, we'll send you James Robinson's new book, Living Amazed, How Divine Encounters Can Change Your Life. As you read these inspiring stories, you'll learn how to live amazed in the presence of God 24 hours a day. With your gift of $100 or more, you'll receive James' new book, along with the companion, Amazed Journal, so you can record accounts in your own life where you are amazed at God's goodness. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,280, which will now help rescue 20 children, and you may request our beautiful new Determined Eagle bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your secure gift online today.
1: Uh, These little orphans were in a village where human trafficking is prevalent. There are people on this planet that feel like they have the right to own a child, to do whatever they want to that child. I promise you that human trafficking of children, human trafficking of people is real and we we will not stop until every child is free or safe. Wow, you know when you go to that phone or you get online and check at lifetoday.org and you find out the way you can be involved, what your part is, is vital in rescuing children's lives from human traffickers. And thousands of children are literally waiting for us to come and rescue them. But we can't do it without your help.
3: Thank you so much. And if you haven't gone to the phones, would you do it? If the phones are busy, try again. And for any gift at all, we'd love to send you this Living amaze. James' new book. It's fantastic.
2: It's a nice little book. We want to thank Mark Driscoll for being here. But Mark, if someone wants to get in touch with you, hear some sermons, see what's going on with you. When your latest book's available, get it. What's the place?
1: Uh, markdriscoll.org. Daily devotions, blogs, sermons, ebooks, back catalog. You get what you pay for. Most of it's free, but there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Great.
2: Yeah. Thank heard you heard so much, here. For being. Would you uh, thank Mark Driscoll for right. being with us thank today? Thank Do thank go the phone. Do go online. We want to see you help us as we help others with rescue life. Thanks for being with us today.